Learn how to build a better sign and print shop from a few crusty sign guys who've made more mistakes than they care to admit. Conversations and advice on pricing, sales, marketing, workflow, growth, and more. You're listening to the Better Sign Shop Podcast with your hosts, Peter Kurunis, Michael Riley, and Bryant Gillespie. Before we jump into the episode, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, GCI Digital Imaging, grand format printer to the trade. We talk a lot about outsourcing on the podcast and the importance of having good partners. And GCI Digital Imaging is a good partner to have. Owner TJ Bedact and his team focus on providing killer customer service just the way grandmother used to make it. If you're interested in learning their approach to business, hop back into the archives to episode nine, where the guys and I interview TJ about customer experience. So if you're looking for a high quality trade printer for banners, wraps, and other printed graphics that your customers throw at you, check out GCI Digital Imaging at printgci.com. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Better Sign Shop Podcast. As always, while Peter, the Sign Shop Yoda, is missing in action today, I think he's on vacation. Uh, So kudos to you, Peter. Enjoy vacation. My other co-host, Michael, the Sign Design Magic Mike Samurai. Chimichanga. Chimichanga, Burrito, Tito. The... The all-around sign guys, sign guy, Michael Riley. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you? You look good in the the, the sweater there. The sweat. Yeah. You know what? It was like ninety-five degrees here last week, and this week it's fifty. We've got the heat on. It's. Uh, I have the flu before long with this crazy weather. Like, yeah, <clears throat> over on the East Coast, we've been slammed with rain. I got to spend Memorial Day cleaning up my basement, which was. Uh, had a nice bit of standing water in it. So that was fun. <laughs> That's always fun. That that makes me one of the few things that makes me thankful that I don't have a basement. I've, I've been you, there a few times and it's always a nightmare. It was supposed to be a man cave. It is actually a kid's playroom. You know, I, <laughs> I was fortunate that we put like the vinyl waterproof, like planking floor down there because I knew that this was going to happen. It happens like once a year, whenever we just get like a nasty rain. But the worst part is just moving all the stuff out of the way so you can flip the couches over so that they dry properly. It's just a pain. And this is the room that you just had remodeled not too long ago too, right? Oh, dude, that's been like the pandemic. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but it was, it's honestly like, uh, yeah, like three or four years ago at this point. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? It feels like it was two months ago. Yep. Post pandemic time. Yeah, boy. So, what's new with you, man? What are you? What are you? What have you been up to? I don't oh, know. not much. Just, uh, just staying pretty busy, uh, pretty steady with design work, and uh, working more than I wish I was. And uh, just started painting the house. Part of the house project has progressed to uh, the exterior paint stage. So that's a lot of fun. I could barely walk today. I, I climbed up and down the uh, extension ladder like five or six hundred times yesterday. My uh, my my step tracker on my phone says I 
I walked like four and a half miles and it was all up and down a ladder. So uh, you uh, should have got a lift. <laughs> yeah. if I could get one on my yard. Somebody, oh, surely we've got somebody that listens to the podcast that could bring over a truck and just yeah, right. like, set you up in the bucket. Anybody in Oregon, hook me up. Free chimichangas. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I'm happy to be doing this episode of the podcast. I don't. I think this is the first one since my emergency appendectomy. So that was a fun experience. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about that, but how how are you recovering? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. I, I will say, word of advice to the audience, if you are over the age of 30, and even if you're not, um, but more so if you're over the age of 30, if you are experiencing pains that are kind of weird, you're not really sure what it is or... Don't just ignore it. Go to the doctor. Um, I woke up it was like a Wednesday several weeks ago, had some stomach pain. I had assumed just like I've had acid reflux for years and, you know, fought with it on and off. I'd assume it was something like that or maybe an ulcer, something non-serious. Got involved in meetings and kind of went away, ignored it. By the time I got done with meetings and like actually stopped and sat down and didn't have anything to do at the moment. I was like, man, the pain is really awful. So go get the kids. My wife's driving. Like I'm sweating in the passenger seat. It's like, it, it, we're getting up there on the pain scale, like six, six or eight, maybe come back. I call Mr. Mike here because I'm thinking that it's an ulcer. <laughs> Mike's like, Hey, I try pickle juice. So I'm standing at the refrigerator. Like, trying not to gag and suck back some of this pickle juice, wait 45 minutes to an hour, still no relief. And the the pain is just mounting at this point. Uh, go to the local urgent care, wait 45 minutes there, pacing around in the actual like waiting room thinking, okay, like making everybody uncomfortable. They weren't sure if I was going to like shoot up the place or cough and give everybody COVID or what was going to happen, you know? Uh, so finally I see the doctor and they send me to the ER. It turns out I have a severe acute appendicitis and have to have emergency surgery. Damn. Bada bing, bada boom. Well, I'm glad that you, you know, it sucks, but I guess it could have been worse. I'm glad that you um, were in and out quick and it seemed like you had a really quick recovery. Sorry about the pickle juice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would. By far, not the worst part of it. It was pretty bad, but I'm sure not the it wasn't. Part but, of it. Yeah, uh, for, now, for modern medicine is great. I've got three little scars on my stomach. Like the the worst part of that was a, I'm a this is probably TMI for the audience, but I'm a naturally pretty hairy guy. So like they shaved all of my belly and left like the top part. <laughs> kind of looked like I was wearing like a a hairy bra. Yeah, is it? Like, my kids were laughing at me, so I had to just go ahead and like shave all of it off. Now I'm in like the Wolfman stage. Man, that makes me think of the scene from uh, the Forty Year Old Virgin, where uh, oh Steve yeah, yeah. Gets... oh Kelly Clarkson. Yes, that's... <laughs> I think we need to see like a side by side comparison of, of of you and and Steve Carell from that movie. Oh, God. See if you wore it yeah. best. Yeah. Maybe that'll get the next cease and desist letter, 100%. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you uh, recovered so quickly and it wasn't um, – I mean, I I wish it was something it, less serious for you, but I'm glad it wasn't anything more serious. And, and I, you know, really, in, in the long run, I, I, 
glad it wasn't an ulcer because an ulcer is really something you can't get rid of. So at least this was something that yeah. stuck temporarily, but it's not a long-term thing. So yeah. And the, the appendix is useless. So yeah. Why not get, get rid, rid of it. it? Did you keep it? Did they like give it to you in a jar? Uh, I didn't ask. I, I should have though. But I, I did like go back. Have, I, I went back this like week. That to somebody. Yeah. The doctor enemy. said the pathology results came back and he said, uh, it did not rupture, but it was very close to rupturing. So anyway, I guess they caught it in time. I've heard that's just yeah. like absolutely miserable. If it does, does rupture. That's oh yeah. Yeah. I was, a, I was a total baby about it. Like I, I was, you know, I was like, they asked for your pain scale and I was like, Oh, it's 10, it's 10, it's 10. <laughs> and my wife's over there. Like, I like childbirth, bro. Like just come off of it a little bit, but, uh, that's hilarious. Well, so I'm excited for the episode today, man. As am I. What are, I'm. I'm. What are we? What have we got on the slate? We have got uh, a gentleman by the name of Shane Durnford, Canada. He is uh, been around for a long time, and he is a prolific sign carver, sign painter, sign designer. The guy does just absolutely phenomenal work. I've been kind of social media stalking this guy for a long time, most of my career, I would say. And uh, he, his work is just absolutely phenomenal. It's on a, it's on another level. Like I, there's a lot of really talented, fantastic sign makers out there, but something about Shane's work is just, I don't know, it, it calls to me or something. It's beautiful. So really excited to have him on the show and uh, pick his brain a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I, I think for me, it's it, it kind of goes back to it, like the signage that you got in the business for. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, everybody gets into this industry. They want to make signs like he makes. I mean, it's like the pinnacle of handcrafted signage that, you know, anybody would be jealous to have this guy's portfolio. Yeah. Super excited about it. A couple different threads I think we're going to touch on. I know uh, like Shane was in the industry for a long time, took a break. Uh, I'm assuming because of burnout, a uh, very real story for you and myself. So curious to get his take on that. And then, you know, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of folks out there who want to do this type of work, uh, but don't necessarily know where to get started with it. You know, like, how do you, how do you break into this side of the industry? Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to him about both of those topics, for sure. Especially the burnout topic. I, I think that's, I mean, you know me, I mean, I'm, I'm always kind of going off on tangents about mental health and, and uh, you know, keeping your head about you in this industry because it, it can, can definitely drive you crazy. So I'm really anxious to talk to him about his experience with, with burnout and how he, you know, took some time off and came back and recharged his batteries. I mean, I think that's something that probably everybody after probably true of any industry or career, but uh, something that probably everybody can, can relate to, to some degree or another. I know I can for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Me as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely want to do like a, a, a serious, like mental health episode, but I think this will be a good primer leading up to that as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely for sure. All right. Well, uh, let's bring them on. All right. Here we are. We've got Shane Durnford. Shane, welcome. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, good to be here. Awesome. Th thanks for asking me on the uh, on this podcast. 
Mike. Well, I've been I've been geeking. You got to set them up a little better than that, dude. Come on now. <laughs> I don't normally do the intros, man. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right on the spot. <laughs> I, I, I just I just like I I did the the lead up to him before we brought him on, so maybe you should do the intro. We just gotta yeah. warm up. We just gotta warm up. Yeah, you know, yeah, a couple I, takes just practice. No, it, it, without a doubt, it, Shane really doesn't need any introduction. If you don't know his name, you've seen his work a hundred different places. Uh, we were saying before we jumped on with you, Shane, that it, like the work that you do is like some of the, like the work that we got into the industry to do, like the really beautiful carved signage that kind of blends art and commerce at the same time. Mm -hmm. how, how was that? Was that solid? Yeah, that's good. That, okay. Pretty much. Yeah, right. that, I'm just writing up my workshop here and that was basically what, define what sign makers should be so problem solving with art artful solutions so yeah you, you got it nailed it perfect well uh, for those who may not be familiar with you why don't you kind of go into your backstory a little bit well i was um i started in 81 82 as a sign writer i went to george brown college for sign writing and i was a sign writer for eight years and you know, just plywood signs, trucks, everything. And it was okay. I, I was a little bored with my work. I felt I was stuck. And to be honest, I was going to leave the industry, especially when plotters came on. I thought, okay, that's it for me. And then I met a mentor who was a, a designer and a branding person. And he said, so I'll help you out. I'll mentor you. And so for the next five years, I stayed. I opened up a studio in Cremor and, um, he taught me everything I need to know about color, marketing, branding, design. And then I you know, taught myself how to carve at the same time. And it just, things switched. It was just like a, a switch. It just changed everything. It changed the work, changed my clients. And it just, um, it just showed me the road to a never ending journey of learning and improving and striving. So I, I'm curious about that, Shane. You said that it, kind of kind of switched your outlook on on the industry in general what i mean I, I think we can all take a guess but going from like just you know flat painted you know site signs and truck doors to the stuff that you do that I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to call it art works of art i mean these are, these, mm. these definitely take signage to an elevated level that you rarely see was it just that it became a better creative outlet for you or what and it was more fulfilling or, or what, what changed that, that made you enjoy it again? Yeah, I think it's shifted my mind, how I approach design and approach the sign industry. You know, I was very much a sign writer and a sign maker. And I learned uh, through the mentoring, he said, if I changed the perception of sign making. So if I had someone come into my shop, I, I would, uh, I was everything that represented sign making. I, I was not, for instance, my business cards looked like bankers cards. My front room looked like a, a, a studio as an art studio. So everything, it was changing the perception of sign writers. And so through a series of process, I would, could educate my client and, and get them to, to invest more in the product. So, and what I would do is say, yeah, I, I can do that. I had no idea how to do these things. I just, I'll figure out how, how I, someone says like throwing a hat or a fence. And I just kept changing my hat or the fence. And I just had the right people coming in my door and it, it was easy for them. Once they were educated, they could 
see it was a great investment. And rather than selling, I would I would just educate them. And they'd say, well, I want to spend this amount of money. And it was it, it was effortless that way. And then after that, it was up to me to perform and to develop my design skills and my sense of color and shadow and all the rest. And it was a learning curve for sure. Do you remember like what the like do like one of the first or like second projects that you did like going from like sign writing into actually like carved like high-end stuff was that do you yeah are there any that stick out to you well my sign was the first one and i had to recarve it three or four times because it was <laughs> crap at the beginning <laughs> so every time i looked at it i think oh, i could do better now so yeah, it was. Um, I remember my first high relief carving because it, I used a book called High Relief Carving. I forget his name, but anyways, I thought, okay, this this should work out. And yeah, it was very fussy, overworked. You know, I had lots to learn. It was very tight looking work. Uh, I was young too, and and I was just the the learning curve was steep. But yeah, it it took a while for me to grow into that part. You know, I have a lot of work that doesn't look very good. It's okay. <laughs> so I look at that once in a while. I think that's good. You know, it's like following a journey. You know, it's really about adopting this process that just allows me to, it's like a revealing process, allows me to keep, take, it's like removing what's not necessary. Does that make sense? That, that, that's interesting. If you, I, I was studying, I went back through your Instagram page and your website, kind of studying some of your work the other day to prepare for our conversation today. And it's, it's an interesting take on it, removing what doesn't need to be there. And I, I think that something that all sign designers probably struggle with to, to one degree or another is, is, mm -hmm. is the art of restraint and, you know, where, what do we remove? What, you know, what, what do we take away from this to, to get the point across without it looking you know, tacky or overwrought or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and your, your work, I think more than just about anybody else's I've seen definitely strikes a balance between what's there and what's not there. And, 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 and what color is present and what color is not there. I mean, you use a lot of monotone, you know, color schemes or color tone on tone, and, and, and you use a lot of shadow to create color, for lack of a better term. That, mm -hmm. And it's, it, it, it really, I mean, I think it, it strikes you, especially it strikes me as a designer anyway, to see how simple and clean and I'm not trying to get the right, I mean, I'm not doing it justice. There's a, there's a word I'm looking for here. Just, just very, restrained i guess i mean your, your yeah. designs are incredibly restrained and yet they're they work so well and it's it's interesting to see how how you've accomplished that that is interesting yeah i um one of the first things this mentor told me was it's always about one thing you just have one thing going on the sign and it's like everything else is in support of that it's like an orchestra there's a main theme to the to the to the piece everything else is in support of that so um that was a that alone was a huge lesson. And then when building, approaching design, I build a criteria. So it's, it's story. So I gather as much information as possible. I, everything, even I don't analyze it or, or think of design at the point. I'm just, I'm searching and gathering. And then from that list, I'll take a, a build a criteria, all the key points that describe that, that business, that person, you know, it's things about, where they want to be, what kind of traffic is going by the door, the architecture of their, their building, the history of that, history of them. So all of it just goes right. It's like it's like putting all these ingredients into a recipe and it gets distilled down. It's 
gets boiled down to the, its essence. So anytime I'm designing, I'll just create, I'll look for that one thread that runs through the whole design. And of course, I'll take into consideration where it's going because it should become part of the building or its surroundings. And that's what gives it its grounding and a sense of belonging. So after that, anything I'm designing or, or something, I try to keep my mind out of it. I don't think it through, I just kind of feel it along. And something that just comes up, pops up a picture or an idea, and I'll put it in. I won't question it, I'll just put it in. And how I cross-reference that is, does it, visually, does it align with the criteria? For instance, if it's a, a shop that sells leather chairs, does it feel like it would be part of the chair? For instance, does it, because colors and designs and shapes are all emotional. So what I try to do with the signs is to communicate in an emotional way. So it was there, they're essentially visual cues and they have to line up with this criteria. So basically the criteria drives the design as opposed to me thinking what it should be. So it's like a bottom up feel uh, approach than the top down. Uh, so <laughs> do you have this criteria listed out? Like at the start of the process, are you like going through and like sketching like, okay, like here's the, the main notes that I want to hit or is it just, it's all like up here or in here? Yeah, it is heart centered because, because, you know, people purchase 85% of our purchases are emotional. So, and, and visual language is an emotional language. So you can, you know, inject sense of smell and sound and all these little cues in there you don't it's not a conscious thing so when i when i list this criteria i just gather list the criteria it just the criteria it's not it's not about what i think or my agenda i just list it and then i just read through it i get a feel for this for this thing and um and then i just start to choose components, like what are the sign shape, like where is it going to go? How big does it have to be? So those questions have to be asked, but so this criteria just kind of guides it. There's no, it's like method acting, you know, you have to learn everything, all the background stuff. So when you do, when you are creating it, it's believable and it's related closely to the business. So if someone's driving by or walking by, they gather so much information from that, such a simple image that it, it not only just entices people to come in, but it targets the right clientele for the business. So, and that's a selling point to the business as well. In most, I, when I people come in my studio, I, the conversation started with, "I'm different. I'm more expensive than anyone." But this is what you're going <laughs> to get. And I'm a designer first, and a sign expert first, and I just happen to craft my own signs. But I'm not a sign guy, so to speak. So right away, and I align myself and the language and the surroundings as as an architect would. So their perception has changed. So if you can change their perception, now you're having a different conversation. Now you can start talking about what their investment will be and and educating them. And sometimes I'll say, you know, go think about it. Don't you don't have to decide right now. It was I wanted the work, but I never pushed it. You know, I just you know, go home and think about it. And if you're still interested, we'll, we can make an appointment. There was never walk-in traffic to be my <laughs> appointments. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> just a little hard to get. Yeah. Well, exclusive. I, so those little exclusive things. And two, you know, with a sign company, they, 
even when I had nothing and I didn't have any money, I didn't have any business. I tried to make my front of my shop look successful. And I was told years ago that people with money want to be part of success. So there's all this psychology involved, but it was just everything I could just to not appear as a, a sign guy. That yeah. sounds so, uh, it sounds counterintuitive. No, yeah, it, I, I would say it runs counter to like what most of the audience does is like, hey, we are sign guys. Like, we need to advertise. We need like giant channel letters out front of our shop. We need like a a giant showroom with every single thing that showcases every sign particular product that we sell. Uh, so it's it's yeah. interesting to hear you say things like that. Like, hey, it, immediately, like I'm shifting gears into like. I'm not a sign guy. Yeah. And I have to background on that. You know, I was doing a lot of uh, truck lettering and crappy little $100 signs with names on it. And I worked for the Ministry of Natural Resources, making no dogs on the beach signs, just so I could be, you know, I just didn't jump into it. It was like a concept that I I believed in and along, it's a long game strategy, but it put me into areas that I wouldn't normally get into about being a consultant i consult with uh, municipalities as well and and streetscape and so yeah it's it's a long it's not gonna it doesn't happen overnight but and there was times too where i would refuse work that would come back to haunt me if i wouldn't put my name on anything that was not of quality design Gotcha. And like those projects that you turned down, were they at points where like you had enough work coming in that it like you could turn that away or was it, no. was it painful at the time of like, it's Hey, painful. I could really use this money, but, but <laughs> I it, drove my wife crazy. Saying, what are you doing? I said, no, believe me, it's going to work. Cause sometimes, you know, I had to, when people come in, I had to evaluate them too. I had to parse them. It was, do you want to hire me and do I want to work for you? They have to get it. If they don't get it, then it's just going to be an expensive, long process for them. So I had, yeah, there was times where I had to refuse the work, but it's like anything. Sacrifices have to be made. I I feel like you've just obliterated every sign guy's business model in like the first 10 minutes here. <laughs> well, there is, you know, and that's, it's the kind of thing, if you want to, go into making these types of signs. You know, for me, I had to be, I had to be creative. I had to always be challenged and I, I got bored easy, but there was a place, you know, some people come in and said, I, I don't want all this. I just want a sign. And I said, it's fine. I had a, I never said I couldn't or wouldn't. I, I wouldn't turn them away as such. I would say here, someone that could take better care of your needs. And they, you know, wrap people do wraps and large format printing. They do that really well. But they could also have two parts of their business. They could have a premium handcrafted business and, you know, the regular stuff that comes in, that, the day job, so to speak. But there's something, for me, it was, it not only challenges me and pushes me, but also it just gets better clients too, I find. You know, you're less, they're less about price, more about the quality. Yeah, that, that really resonates. Mike, you look deep in thought. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I um You look like some of my clients that come in the door. It's like, okay. Uh, the gears are just turning in my head. I'm like I'm like thinking, okay, I've got to like rewrite all the copy on my website now. <laughs> no, I I mean I, I mean I love it. I think I've heard people 
in this industry, you know, say or or maybe wonder like is sign shop a dirty word or a sign guy like is that a bad thing do we want to be a sign shop or not and and it is really interesting to like i mean you're, you are taking the sign shop model and like just we're talking about fires i mean you're just setting a fire <laughs> to it and it's uh, and i and i and i love it and it's i i wish that it it was possible for everybody in this industry to do what you're doing i mean in reality is you know, depending on the market you're in and mm-hmm. your skill level, obviously it's not. I mean, you you've got the you've, you've got the toolbox to back up. You know, being a little choosy on it, but it's it's awesome. I mean, I'm I am I I am I'm I'm sitting here thinking like how how can I how can I be like Shane? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I you know, I think it can apply. I had a lot of guys come to my workshops at CNC machines. I think I didn't abandon the sign crafting. I just I just wanted to appear that sign crafting was not some guy in the back corner. When I started out, you know, they said, hold us, don't drink on the job because that's what sign writers do. <laughs> and, and so it was like lifting the craft because on my sign, I said, you know, Shane Durnford sign crafter. And it was a, it was like a, an honored craft. And, but that had to change perceptions with people. But even if you, any sign shop that does any type of work, it's the same approach in the way of, I'm a designer first, I'm a sign expert. And I, you don't tell me what you want because that's not letting me do my job. You tell me everything about your business and I'll, and I'll bring it in and I'll turn around and I'll give you the de- design you need. So that, that's a whole switch around because I know a lot of sign shops and myself, I get frustrated. People come in, this is what I want. I saw this down the road. I like this other thing. So you create this Frankenstein, so to speak. Client's not happy. You're not happy. They tend to be, they don't really value what you do. So they're crapping about money in the bottom line all the time. And instead of coming back at it, turning it, reverse the flow and said, I'm a sign expert. So that changes everything and, and educate why that's important and what, what value they get out of that. You can yeah. say you can go to a shop and they you tell them what you want and God bless. But this is why I how I do it and this is why I do it. So whether it's a wrap or any kind of signage, it is design oriented. You know, I, I feel like maybe you're not really backing away from the idea of being a sign maker or sign writer or sign painter or whatever you want to call it. Mm. I kind of feel like you just sort of pushing that title back to what it used to be and what it, yeah what it should be. You know, it's not like you're changing it. You're, I, you know, I would argue that probably the, the vinyl slingers out there maybe are the ones that have say that. I don't mean that in a bad way against them, but, <laughs> but you know, I, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, read the room, Mike, read the room. <laughs> no, I don't care. I mean, I've been there. I've, I've look, I've, sl- I have, I have slung my share of vinyl and polluted our visual world more than i ever more should have and I, i'm the first yeah. yeah i'm the i'm the first one to admit that and anybody in this industry who's been doing this long enough needs to be humble enough to step back and say you know what this isn't where i thought i was going to go with this and this you know i'm not doing the type of work that i wanted to do and I'm, I'm not the type of sign maker that i wanted to be and i think shane's attitude here or, or outlook on it i think is the reason that he is doing you know the type of work that we all wish we were yeah. I think I'm going to get on the soapbox a minute and say, like, I think a lot of it is driven by the equipment and like the the technology and like the manufacturers or it's like, hey, how fast can you print? How wide can you print? Mm. Like, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of it is driven 
by that. Totally. And it just I mean, cost the equipment being st- stupid cheap compared to what it used to be as well. Where, yeah. like, and it, I think it's we all touched about, that on, on yeah, the it's all about the equipment. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the equipment being so stupid expensive that now you feel beholden to it and you've got to, you know, churn out vinyl by the pound or crappy banners and, you know, stickers all day long just to, just to make your you know, your payment on the printer every month. I mean, you know, we've all been there too. And then that suddenly you're like, you're working for the printer leasing company and trying to pay, pay that thing off instead of making signs that you want to make, you know, I mean, I, I, and then something comes along with a faster machine or a better machine. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think it too, it, I think people are, are shops, you know, if they're tired of just losing jobs or people shopping for the lowest price, and they all look the same. You know, I heard Tom mention that it's just all in the mud. You know, it's just trying to gra- grab the, the best fruit off the truck. But I, I think if uh, even a, a vinyl, like uh, I had, there's nothing wrong because I'm a sign crafter, pure straight through, you know, hand lettering and carving. But I have nothing against vinyl or CNC machines. But you're right. It, if they tend to lean on that too heavily, it's just a tool. The designs first just design to the criteria design to the business add value to their design which adds value to the signs sign what adds value to their business and they start to rise up above the rest it's like yeah okay you can, everyone else has cnc machines everyone else has vinyl cutters but we are designed and we're going to make you money by having you invest in our company and the fact that we are designers not just pretty not pretty but strategic connective design that will the psychology of design so yeah that's that's not a big reach you know i i think it's a good business model for most sign shops regardless how they do their work because it doesn't matter how anyone does it it's i know you guys uh agree it's it's all about the design absolutely yeah absolutely there's definitely a lot of shops out there that just have a vinyl cutter or wide format printer that are producing absolutely phenomenal mind-blowing beautiful work that is designed you know designed first designed forward mm-hmm. so yeah yeah I, I mean i agree totally on that okay so plugging along you're making your signs eventually you hit a wall right i mean you you stepped away from the industry for a little while yeah you know that's uh i worked all the time i i mean i loved it I mentioned the Bryant before I said, I'd get up at three in the morning. And I said, you know, I'm going to work. I, I have some, or I'd fall asleep and a design would pop in my head. So I'm going to go down there and make that. And many times I'd work around the clock and I loved what I did. And I had a young family, two buildings and, and renovating. And, you know, I'd have to be honest, a bad marriage. And I just thought if I just work harder and longer, things can get through the other <laughs> side of it. <laughs> you know you, you hit me right in the heart yeah, <laughs> yeah that sounds get unbelievably it. familiar and thought, yeah and then, and then i just feel it coming i felt that it was just my bone marrow was being my life energy was leaving me and i was doing workshops and i was still designing it was like i was not connected to myself anymore so i, I think um and one day i just i I came in the shop, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't pick up my tools. It was the strangest phenomenon. I just stood there and I said, I can't. So I I just, same day I ended, <laughs> said I don't want to be married anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, I'm just, I'm just toast. So 
it, it, that was tough. That was a hard wall to hit. And it's a cautionary tale. And I, you know, I was going to go off to be a cop, do something different. That was my plan only because I just couldn't do the work anymore. Nothing wrong with the work. I was, business was great. Um, it was going exactly where I wanted it to go. Uh, but it just, yeah, I just, I had nothing, nothing, nothing in the gas tank. So yeah, I just took a hiatus. I thought, you know, I'll give it a bit of time. I'll come back to sign crafting. And it's, I did one last year. Uh, I designed it and they couldn't find someone to make it. So I thought, ah, oh, I'll make it. And it was, it was tough. It was like swallowing glass, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I stood at the end of it. I thought, "Oh my God, I love this! I love sign making. I love the whole idea of having something draw it from their stuff and form out of thin air." And there it is in three dimension, interacting with the landscape and people. And yeah, there's nothing like it. Really, it it brings in design, psychology, you know, environmental design. You know, I have to bring in so much knowledge. You know, I've learned about so many things because every job I do, the design part of the criteria is, is research. You know, for it's, if it's an old building, when was the building built? How would they have thought about things back then? They, they wouldn't have brought in certain things. So, and what that does is make it look like it, the sign was established the same time the building was. So, and that's, yeah, so it, I love the craft. I really do. I just uh, burn out. Burnout's not good. What 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 year did you hit the wall? Two thousand ten. Mm. Okay, I, and you were away until just last year. Yeah, pretty much. I did one. I did one. Uh, one carving, but yeah, essentially until last year. I I you know designed logos and package design and the same approach to all of it, but it just didn't have the same satisfaction as sign crafting and working with my hands. Uh, yeah. So t talk to me about the period in between, like you were a, a cop for a bit. No, I did. You... I, oh, yeah. Oh, you I applied. Yeah. I applied for it, but there was a hiring freeze on that. Well, that was, what oh, am I going to do oh, now? Right? Oh, gotcha. I hung it on, onto all my equipment and carving tools. And, uh, you know, I, I still studied design. I still, you know, post, you know, package design and, and the rest, you know, I enjoyed all that. It was okay, but it just didn't have that thing. So I just, I became a better designer, I think, because I still follow that path of discovery and, and just essentially you just get, I just with good design, it finds you. So you need just to get out of the way. So I, that was the practice. So each project that came along was practicing that. And I designed a few signs as well. So yeah, it was, it was tough because it was so much part of my life, so much part of my identity. And, and I was, you know, in a community, a sign community and in the small community where I, I had my business for 25 years. So it was, yeah, it's a kind of lost my identity for a while. Uh, I, I, I resonate with the me. craft. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not the love of the so. craft. Yeah, and 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 it was most frustrating time in my life because something I love to do that I could do well, and I had such a, a healthy business, I just couldn't even look. I couldn't even open my toolbox. 
I went to, they asked me to come in and fill in for someone at the, one of the letterhead meets down at the sign museum in Cincinnati. And I was, I had to show them how to carve. I didn't want to do it. I woke up in the morning and said, I can't do this. I just like, I'll just tell them how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that, you know, that's how, that's how strong burnout is. When you hit that yeah. wall, it's a hard road back. And I, I think it's for anybody who, who just, it's imbalance. And I think the way to fix it is just kind of swing it. You know, the pendulum has to swing back the other way before it finds its, you know, center again. And what worked well for you to, to come back from the burnout? <laughs> I think, yeah, I had to, I had to, for me personally, I had to get rid of, I had to come to an understanding about how I came to burnout and, and let go of the past. You know, I was this, or I did that, or I had this. And so I had to let all that go. And it's like, here I am standing here now, and I still love what I do. So I just kind of, and it was, that was that simple. I, I love my sign crafting days, not so much, but I'm going more into carving, the same approach to architectural carving, but that allows me to really go further into the elaborate work carving and such, but um, still signs, you know, designing signs. Yeah. I still, I still do that. Okay. Mm. Do you think there's a way to avoid burnout or do you think it's just like part of the process, uh, like part of the journey? No, I because think it, yeah, I, you know, for me, like, I, I don't know that I, I would be sitting here today without like flaming out as hard as I did back when I was, you know, mid twenties of working 60, 80 hours a week and yeah. not taking care of myself and just burning the candle at both ends. You know, my dad, I should have learned from my father. He was, a had his own iron, iron shop of fabricating iron. And he said, if I can't make my living nine to five, then I won't do it. And he always took time to, to do other things. And I think, you know, as in design, as in nature, as in life, if we don't uh, work towards balance, imbalances will something will force us to find to go the other way will whether it's health whether it's emotional health or whether it's whatever it may be it just forces you to find center again it wants to find center so it'll correct itself in usually in harsh ways the farther you go the longer you go the more harsh the, the pullback is on it so yeah it's brutal and, uh, you know, a lot of people thought, what if he, you know, if I'm leaving the industry, what does it hold for the rest of us? But I don't think they ever, uh, the story was ever out there about me burning up personally as I did. You know, everything basically collapsed, marriage, business, everything. So yeah. just kind of, I, you know, I just jumped out of a moving vehicle. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> but hey, I'm so loved. I still I, I, yeah. love of the craft. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if the vehicle's going off the cliff, like what else are you going to do? At that you know point? what? I wish I would have heard that. Like <laughs> 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 could save me some time. Yeah. In, so in hindsight, do you feel like hitting that wall could have been preventable or at least yeah. you could have slammed Absolutely. on the brakes earlier. So you didn't hit it as hard or Absolutely. was it totally inevitable? No matter what you, you could have done, was it just going to happen? No, I, um, yeah, I could have easily prevented it by taking more time to, so I'm not working today. I'm not, this is my times and that's it, nothing more. And then balance it with more fun things. You know, there was a time I didn't get out of my work clothes. I just, 
you know, I at first I had my we lived upstairs, my studio was downstairs, so there was times where I would leave the building for for a week at a time, and yeah, I could have prevented a lot of that. Just balance, balance life, more exercise, more fun. You know, work hard, play hard. I just worked hard. That's it. <laughs> yeah. This one uh, definitely hits hard uh, for, for me. I, I'm a notorious workaholic. I, 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 for whatever reason, I mean, I, I, it's this weird, like sadistic pleasure that I find in just working and working and working. And um, as I've, as I've gotten older, I've definitely tried to keep myself off of that path. And, and, and I've experienced berries similar to what you have. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I hit a wall at 500 miles an hour and it was, it was tough and marriage didn't survive, sold the business fortunately, but it burnouts, burnout is really tough. And yeah, I feel like I'm on the verge of it again. And I'm, and I'm, I'm like trying to look, look back and, and, and figure out how to, you know, how to not have it happen again. And it's, it's tough because like when you, when you're, when you do ultimately enjoy what you do and you are a workaholic and that work is, is fulfilling to you. Like it's, it's really hard to look at that objectively and say, listen, this is not a you know a healthy place to be and I need to step away from it or I need to go do something else. Yeah. And, that's a tough place to be. I think for me it was, um, I mean, I loved what I did and, and everything else, but there was something else underneath it was, you know, just, we always have to look back to our early beginnings, but my dad was a workaholic and that's how you showed love for your family. That's how you, what you did for your family. And you oh, just, yeah. shit hits a fan, you just work harder. So that's a recipe for high speed collision if there was one. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think it's just understanding why we are workaholics. You know, some people are alcoholics, <laughs> you know, and I was yeah. neurotic too. Part of my thing too, I was very neurotic. When I was lettering science, the letters had to be perfect. I spent so much energy worrying about such details of my work and I had to come to grips with that too. So yeah, I think working too hard burnout is used the end result of something deeper, something more profound because there's something that doesn't, we know the whole wall's coming and we know we're picking up speed, but in some <laughs> way we say, oh, I don't know what to do. About I just, <laughs> yeah. If you go, yeah. if you go fast enough, you'll go through it. <laughs> <laughs> or you just hope you won't hit the wall yeah, sometime. You, know, the, you just, I, I, I think that's the mentality everybody takes. Like, okay. I see that wall coming. I'm just, I'm just going to speed up and hope I just break right through it and I'll be fine. Right. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, that's, choice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's a joke, but I think it's really true. I mean, and it's, and you're right too. I mean, I think there's a societal pressure on, on us that that's how we have to provide. And that's what, you know, like this subconscious measure of success we have is how hard we work and how much we work. And if you, you took a day off, then you're, you're not successful. You're not providing for your family. You're lazy or whatever it is. And it's hard to overcome that mental block too. And that's something that I definitely, you know, struggle with and, 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 still too to this day. I mean, I'm, I'm getting better at forcing myself to take days off. And there are times I come in and sit down in my office and, uh, you know, I've got a stack of signs, I've got a design. And I, I just, I, I physically, like you said, you couldn't pick up your tools. Like sometimes I can't touch that mouse yeah. <laughs> and I just have to get up and, you know, and, and walk away. And it's the worst feeling in the world. Sometimes it is. it's like, just, there's a force field around it. Yeah. It's, it's weird. <laughs> I, you just, it's like yeah. magnetically like repelling your hand and, it, and it's, and then it's hard not to fall down like this hole of kind of beating yourself over it, you know, and, and it's a vicious cycle. 
I can I touch pre- the mouse, Mike. I just can't. It, like, I just stare at the screen. Like, <laughs> you just kind of move so, around. So, you just turn around and click on stuff. Like, oh, hey, hey, here's something. Let me click on it a hundred times and just move it around. I'm working. <laughs> I know. I I'm a a bagpiper, and I knew this uh, this guy. He played since he was a kid, and he was you know grade one piper, and he was always go practicing, practicing until one day he said my hands would fingers wouldn't move. And it wasn't anything physical. It was an emotional. It's like your body's like enough, no more. You know, it's it's like you know, it's just something says no. So, and especially when we're younger and think you're full of everything, and and then we just keep going. You know, and I burnt out in small burnouts along the way, but once the big one happened, I, I never. I don't think I ever came back fully. Like there's something in me that just kind of blew up. <laughs> blew something and it just didn't get it just fit back do you, do you think that you do you think that something like broke in you when you hit that wall and and it just hasn't can't repair it or do you think that uh, something changed and your priorities or your outlook changed and and you think, yeah. just approach it differently now a bit of both i think you know I, <laughs> yeah i find you know there's a song by lou rodeo it's like you know he's it basically blew apart and then some of the pieces went but were put back together but they were wrong with some of them missing <laughs> you know yeah. and it's a weird psychological um it's a powerful thing like i you think oh burnout well i get tired you get you know exhausted but no idea the emotional toll it takes and you know that i couldn't touch my tools I, i'd open my tool but i really f- feel nauseous <laughs> like it's such a strong thing yeah and I just kept pushing and I think it's just, I don't know if something got broken. I think it just, I think, um, you know, if you pull something out, you know, and it, it just won't grow back anymore. Like if you just keep, mm. for me, if I just, I pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And once it just broke, it just never came back it never regenerated. So I feel like there's a piece missing. I don't have the same push or drive, but the love of the craft, but I don't have the the longevity in there. I don't. And part of it is too is like ah, I just don't. I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, I think for I, me it was like the patience was the the part that didn't come back. Like the <laughs> the the willingness to like sit down at every minute detail because that was. Yeah, I used to yeah. think that was part of why the work was great. It was like obsessing over every little detail. I hear you. You know, that's why I couldn't sign craft anymore. I couldn't make, because I'd spent hours, you know, everything was so crafted to such a fine touch. And I just didn't have that in me anymore. Yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange phenomenon. It's, um, I was going to, it's going to say something. I forget what it was. It's funny. You, you're talking about, you know, I was, I've been thinking just about my career here, but Brian, I mean, you know, I'm in the middle of this ridiculous house renovation too. And, um, Shane, the backstory here during COVID, my wife and I got bored and we bought a fixture upper house and, and <laughs> completely gutted it down to the studs and have are, are restoring it and renovating it. And for like nine months straight, it's all I did. I mean, it was it was 12, 16 hour days in this house. And, it, and it's we're not doing just like a, you know, like a DIY type flip on it. Everything's gray. I mean, it, like I, I handmade all the trim. I, I've handcrafted all these beams hand laid all this hardwood floor i mean it, every single square inch of this house is touched by my hands but nine months of doing it 
all day, every day, like eating, breathing, sleeping this house. I hit a wall <laughs> two years ago <laughs> and like, I can barely, I can barely bring myself to even like vacuum the house now, let alone it like, would, it's, it's only half done. Right. But I just can't, yeah. I can't do anything on it. I think it was other, so okay. bad, Shane. I had to send him, um, you remember the, the show home improvement with, uh, t- Tim, the tool man, Taylor and his assistant, Al. Yeah. <laughs> I got on uh cameo, which is a service where you can hey, like order videos from celebrities to your friends. It's, it's great fun. I ordered a video from Al for Mike and his oh. wife <laughs> to give them a pep talk about <laughs> renovating oh, this house. It was the greatest thing too. And I, and I, I tell you what, like I really needed it. Like, it was it was great to hear from Al Borland in his flannel shirt that like oh you know gosh. there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you're going to get there and remodeling is hard but yeah but I mean it was the same thing I'm I'm just listening to you talk about you know obsessing over these details and like you know I must have spent thirty forty fifty hours driving around trying to find just the right type of nail for my floor you know not even you know let alone actually you know driving all those nails in and it's you know, like I said we just started painting the front of the house and I, and we went through. 40, 45 different color samples until we picked a color that we like just obsessing over all these details. And it just, you know, it it drives you nuts. I think there's point in talking about that. I think there's something to that, you know, getting so deep in the weeds and obsessing over things that nobody else would even notice, but you that really leads down that path of of burnout. And I, and I think that that, that obsession, I, I think anybody who's really great at what they do had, you know, has that obsession or that, that, that obsessive quality within them. And I think it's probably what makes them great. I, it would help me a lot. As I heard along the way, it was the illusion of perfection. You know, there's no such thing as perfection. And that released a lot of stuff for me. I think too, part of being the business side business, having your partner, having like a good partner, you know, that was part of my burnout too. It's like I had someone that would just like sabotage and you know, spend money and, you know, I wanted a break in a lot of ways. Like I said, I'm re- needs, re- I need a break. But so a partner's a big, big deal and a good home life too. I mean, it's all connected. There's no separation. I think that's being, a re- think- really good point. I mean, that's a, this is a difficult industry and it's an exhausting industry and one that takes a lot of tolls on, on you and, and, you know, having a spouse or, you know, somebody at home that's supportive of you, or if they're actively in that business, I mean, you've got to be working together towards the same goal. And it sounds like you were kind of in a similar boat as me where, you know, you were definitely not working in the same direction and constantly trying to undermine each other. And, and that definitely, I mean, it's, it's really hard to do good work when you're, you know, fighting your own internal battles and demons like that. It it just, and it's not conducive to creative life. No, it's not. No, it's not. And it it makes, I mean, come hell or high water, if you're a creative person, you're going to live that life and that's what you've got to pursue. And there's no, Mm. there's no way you can get off that path. I mean, you know, a creative person can't go work in a factory all day long and be satisfied. That's just not how it works. So a creative person has to be, you know, pursuing a creative job. And, and it's so easy to be derailed from that and everything, just that kind of emotional, you know, baggage makes creativity, the part of your brain that that is creative i mean it almost yeah. makes it stop functioning in a way it is it comes from yeah that good place you know i always think creativity is more of a uh, an allowing so if there's other things you know clamping down on it or heavy, sitting heavy on it it's just hard to do and, and that was always in my amazement when i was still designing i don't know where these designs are coming from but you know what i discovered though and it was through that process 
you know, people say, well, you're talented or, you know, I love what you do. It's like, well, it's really not comes from me. All I do is facilitate the process of coming through me. And I've heard it. Others, other authors, like novelists talk about it, music composers and many other. And they talk about it's just they get out of the way and they allow things to come through. So even when I was physically and emotionally and mentally exhausted, I still had these designs. I was just like, it was as if I was almost an observer as well, but yeah. it takes the pressure off. But I think it's a good way to think of design because there's no pressure. You just set it up so things come through you. And it's basically designing from in, in, intuition. Yeah. This is the part that I really wanted to talk about of like what your creative process looks like and just mm -hmm. it, like how you achieve the, that flow. Because it, like looking at your work, it's easy to see like I it, like if I look at it and I try to picture like how would I have come up with this? Like I could form no words as to mm -hmm. like how something like that would come together. But I feel like it's a like a series of steps and like mm -hmm. to get into flow maybe I, I don't know like what do, what do you like what does your creative process look like how would you describe it to everybody mm -hmm. so going into it understanding that it comes through me so you know when i gave my workshops i said it's almost like or opening a portal and letting things come through because it it might be a little deep for sign making but it's true for everything, I believe, and everything's connected to everything. And I think good design connects us to everything, to each other. And we're all part of the universe. We're all part of the same thing. We're ourselves are, are arranged as the golden mean. So there's a, that's why when we see certain faces or see certain buildings or something, it's all within that golden mean. So there's a connection there. And in the book, uh, the old way of seeing talks about that. We're innately, all good designers were innate. Yeah. yeah right here, folks. <laughs> That's it. And so, we'll drop it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. And it's a great book. I think everyone should read it because it changes, can change our whole societies. Like if you're surrounded by good design, what good design meaning authentic universal design that we feel better, we function better, everything there's, we're all in that flow. So as a designer to get there, I need to, when I design something, it's never about I, I like this, or I think it should have that. There's, I'm, I'm out of the picture. I'm a facilitator, period. And I let my clients know. It's not about what you want. It's not about what I want. It's your story. But how it's going to come about is it's going to come forth. It will, it will find me and it will find the solutions for you. So, so yeah, I just, again, that writing criteria, getting in, in the feel of it, repeating the criteria. And to be honest, if I'm just relaxed, I have good, nice classical music playing or some old jazz and I'm just in a good place. And there's a picture usually comes up, pops on the page and I'll look at it or else what I'll do if that's not happening, I'll go. And for instance, I don't know if, what signs you're familiar with. There's a bank cafe has a B on it. Mm. Yeah. It's, that's one that sticks out in my mind. Mm -hmm. So I think, okay. Didn't want to, the bank, it was a former bank. So what started was I gathered everything else, what they wanted to achieve, who they wanted as a client, who was coming in the town, the history of the town. And she wanted to look, feel as if it was always established, always been there. So I'm thinking, okay, the pioneers of the time, I did a little research. What they did was plant apple trees and created 
bee colonies because the bees were the health of the farm and health of the natural environment. So I thought, oh, and then I looked in the bees and bees were community, which lined up with the bank cafes and well-being and everything else. I said, well, there we go. There's a bee. That's the one thing it's going to be, the bees going on it. So, and what I'm doing too, when I, when I'm going through this criteria, I'm scribbling. My hand's scribbling. I don't, I don't, I don't look at other signs. I don't look at anything. I just, it's all about the topic and I'm thinking, so now, so inside it has, it's a really tall, it's classic bank building. So it had really tall ceilings with heavy cornice and, and classic uh, metal ceilings. So I thought, okay, it should have the reach. And then I thought I'm playing it. So I'm just playing as well. And I'm playing around say, well, there's a honeycomb. Well, in the honeycomb, there's these little edges you know, the sides and this cool with the line. So the whole, I'm just intuitively sketching and I think, oh, there's something there. And, and I, I came across the sketch of that. Yeah, it's such a rough scribble, but I'm just getting the feel of it. And so I'm looking back at the storyline, getting the feel. So now I have in the top cap was the cornice and the up, you know, up lines and the honeycomb across the top just as traditionally they would have done back then, how they would have built the molding. And then the teardrop is basically honey that has a drip, you know, it's a, it's a drop of honey and it has a nice feel to it. If you look at that shape, it exists so many places in nature and we identify with that, you know, it's very, uh, and too, the shape holds the bee, like cradles it as well. And so the bees in the middle. So there's a lot of, and then I'll go through cross-referencing of, of design elements, you know, the border all are naturally proportioned and they're all related to each other. So every aspect of that sign is support of that B. And there's nothing on that sign that is just put on there because it's pretty, or I've seen it done or it's cool. You know, it's just kind of this natural process and I cross-reference it with good design. Does that work? Why does that work? You know, the shadow of the, the upright with all the geometric shapes and then you have, yeah. So strong geometric shapes contrast to the organic shape. It's a really nice, it's like you always look for contrast, whether it's texture, color, dark and light, and then colors, you know, why those colors, you know, some recede, some proceed. So, and then the idea of just a bit of gold and the, so it's decadent. So they're saying was gourmet fruit or ordinary food with a gourmet twist. So it was, yeah, I can remember seeing that one, and it's like that's the exact. That's how I would describe it. This, this is like a gourmet sign. I mean, it's yeah. So, so the process is. I wasn't. I never thought, how am I going to design this, or what should I do, or I start looking at other. Don't look at anything else. And actually, my my inspiration. I look at glass blowers. I go to the museum and look there. Painters, you know, I hear like everything. I don't look at signs, and the, that's such a good tip. Yeah. I was like, hey, because that's usually like the first place that people started. And I can remember back when I was like throwing out 20 designs a week, it was like, hey, that's the first thing I would do is like, okay, like, yeah, I got a good, pretty good idea. Let me Google this and see like what everybody else has put together for yeah. this type of business or something. You know? and, it's a, and it's an easy common mistake. And I did that for eight years until I met my mentor and he said, he says no and it's i call it top-down stuff he's trying to make it work and and it doesn't work because it's not 
authentic. It's coming from our heads. It's our minds are very limited in their ability. You know, I, I like the saying of we never solve anything by thinking. And so it's more of a from the ground up, it's more of a felt thing. And it makes sense because, you know, when I, so a client comes to me and, and so after I've designed it, I sit down and I reiterate their business and the criteria I made and they, they agree to that. I said, so and here's the design. I don't show them design right off. Usually it's a half hour conversation before I present design. And then said, here have these elements uh, communicate these values you have. And then, and then they say, okay, some say, okay, what happens I think with a lot of sign companies, the client goes home and they ask their janitor or their friends or their husband or their wife, what do they think of the design? And they'll put it in the two cents. And I, so I usually give them the advice. I said, if you ask people in your life, their opinion on this, I said, ask them how it makes them feel. Cause that's the language we're, we're using and that's the language that's going to get people in your store you're essentially you want to seduce them I, I had a lot of clients where they say i had people come into my store and they didn't said i was i saw you sign and i had to come in here what do you do <laughs> I, yeah. how can i sign up and i think it's because when you design that way there's a there's an intuitive natural elements that go into it you know um I think, and then in that book, you'll read that. And I think that's, there's a lot of power to that. You know, I, especially we don't see it a lot. We see square buildings and really bad architecture and we're surrounded by, you know, disconnected food, you know, fast food, disconnected yeah. architecture. You Bigger, know, cheaper, just, faster, like yeah, hell. Like, yes. And our society is like, we're just, it's like eating fat junk food. You just want more and more and more. And the more you eat, the more faster you want to go. And I think, you know, you just get numb to that. But then there's something that speaks to our true nature in all of us, our true beings as part of nature. That's why we all love going in nature, not just because there's birds tweeting and it's fresh air, it's because we look around and we see ourselves in nature proportionately and, and structurally. So there's something in that that's quite, powerful and such a great tool for a sign designer and also ultimately your client who's going to have lots of people come through and the right people come through through their doors and the thing is you know typical too a lot of them have a business and they spend all this money inside i said they have no idea what's inside unless you get them in the door not just people but the right clientele so it's a whole art and science to that, a whole psychology to it as well. well. <laughs> I just I look at Mike and it's like, I don't, I don't know if you, you just like put him in like a design coma or. <laughs> Mike's in a trance right now. <laughs> I know I used to, my workshops, I'd have a whole day of that and just take, I what I do put my designs up and I deconstruct, deconstruct them. It's like worlds within worlds within worlds. It's like it's something so simple that can say so much. I think that's when they, I think when people look at the designs that are created, that I've done, they see, they feel it, but they just don't know what it is. They say it's so simple, but they say so much. I think it's along those lines. I think we're all great designers. We just, our heads get in the way. 
Yeah, and it's easy to do in our world. You know, it's just fast, cheap, and and lots of it. Yeah. So if you were to, oh, Mike, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I, I heard you take a breath. You're about to launch into it. Oh, <laughs> no, no, you're fine, man. Go ahead. Okay. All right. I was going to say, like, if you had to give like the average sign shop that is doing like the standard stuff out there, like uh -huh. one or two bits of advice right now, what would you tell them? How can they be better? Yeah. You know, this isn't going to, doesn't happen overnight. And I, you know, you have to carry on with business and commerce. I think if there's something creative in you that you want to express, or you're feeling frustrated with your work, frustrated with your clients or, or frustrated with not getting the jobs you want or competing on price alone, then start injecting that, start bringing the designer to the fore and go learn about design. You know, don't look at other signs. Don't look at other things. If you are looking at other things, don't look at signs, but look at things you see. Just could be anything, architecture or way, what someone's dress, you know, how they dress and try to understand what is it in that that I really like and try to understand. So if you try to understand design that way and start to educate yourself on design, there's some good books out there. And even just the fundamentals of design and color theory and all the rest, and just start injecting it into your work. Just start coming forward and say, you know, I'm a designer first. We are a design-oriented company, and this is the value. And this is how we, this why you should come to us instead of someone else. Does anyone get a sign anywhere? You know, and and mediocre signs are everywhere, and it's it's not a judgment call. It's just the fact that they're not designed well. It's like McDonald's, it's still food, but it's not healthy. <laughs> it doesn't do anybody any good other than the bottom line. So yeah, I would just tell them to start to become better designers and, and look into what that is and, and stop looking at other people's signs. You can look at them and say, that's, that's wonderful, but that's someone else's solution for a very specific problem. And, but if you want to, if you insist on looking at science, what is it about that you like? I mean, take away the gold, take away all the, the glitz and, and the bells and whistles, and it should stand as black and white image without any color, without anything like that. And I, I, that's another thing with design too. It has to stand in, on two dimension. If, and then all the three dimension does is enhance those features. It just tunes that design a little more. So yeah, just, and you know what? Get away from the computer. Start, <laughs> start sketching. Start. You know, we have. I heard a scientist say once that we have ancestral memory in our hand, and I know a lot of intuition comes through our hands. So you're not even aware what you're doing sometimes, and you think, "Wow, what, that is cool." And what's going on? So you follow it. So yeah, get out. Start sketching. Start using your hands and look at type like typography too is misunderstood. I only use about three or four typefaces and type has a, uh, an expression and has uh, expression uh, in so many ways, you know, the, like Roman lettering and some block lettering, Gothic lettering, it's all proportional to our human body, you know? So there's, there's a connection there. So educate yourselves. Mike, it makes better designer. Just a handful of typefaces. 
I asked yeah. Mike for a recommendation the other day. He gave me like, he's like 12. I was designing a t-shirt for my kid's preschool graduation. He's like, here's 12 possible ones. I was like, dude, I came to you because I just wanted one. Like <laughs> that's a, I never give my clients choice either. I, never, I don't do three designs. I do one design. Yeah. It's so true. You know, I, you know, my, when I was first getting mentored, he said, it's so simple. I have to think of it as it's either circles, rectangles or triangles. Or circle squares and triangles. That was it. Everything in the world is of those things. So it's I always say it's a you know, English is my second language and visual language is my first. And I think, you know, as people, as human race, we have tens of thousands of years of development in that area. So if we if we understand that, the more we can understand it, and it'll be lifetimes before we can articulate it but if we can understand that somewhat we can communicate through signs or any any other visual medium i think it's all about connection bottom line we all want to connect you know whether it's doing more doing more drugs or working more <laughs> or or searching for that you know the next product that you're going to throw in the garbage it's just we want connection so i think good design does that and you know, I always think it was, um, people have always liked my signs, but I think it's not, not because they're signs, because of this other, they just connect with it on a, on a deeper level yeah. that, that we don't normally do in, in everyday life. So, you know, there is, there is a place in the sign industry for that. If anything, there's a big opening for that because everybody's going this way and you can go do the other thing and even if it's just really good design and understand becoming the sign experts, the design experts, not just in the way of, you know, this is how I think your sign should look. It's like, this is the solutions for your, for your business. Very powerful. Mm. Mike, what were you, did you remember what you were going to say? No, no. <laughs> this is no, either my, very my, encouraging my... or very discouraging. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my brain is, is running a million miles an hour. I'm, I'm thinking that there's a lot of parallels with what Shane is saying to what Dan Antonelli said when we had him on. You know, he he, he talked a lot about psychology of, of branding and marketing and, and, you know, the thought processes and psychology behind consumer buying patterns and everything like that. What what attracts a person to, to something. So I'm thinking a lot about, about that. And I, I, I love Shane's suggestion to... You know, if you're looking for inspiration, don't look at signs. I think that's something that <laughs> on a daily basis, I'm on Google Images. Like, because I, I yeah, after a while, like, how many monument signs can you design before they all start looking exactly the same, you know? And I, and I love the the advice to to not look at signs, to look at you know, anything else. And, and I, you know, I, I think that the rules of good design apply to anything that is designed, whether it's a sign or whether it's a, you know, a mouse or a car or, or anything. You know, good design is good design, and I, I think there's probably a lot that you can, a lot of inspiration that you can gain from looking at other well-designed objects or things that have nothing to do with signage or typography or advertising or anything. So. It's, it's interesting. When you're talking there, I remember Toyota that they designed a lot of their cars at first with by hand. So mm -hmm. their idea is that human body kinetics create lines that are within the golden mean. So, and everything they do is a lot of hands-on and what happens, you sit in a Toyota or you look at a Toyota, you just feel good. And when you sit, I've heard people say, I love my Toyota, just sit in it, just feels 
right it fits but i don't think they're talking physically i think emotionally like it's a really it's very interesting as we yeah. you know no matter how sophisticated we become we're still the, the same it's, we still get lit up by the same things we did thousands of years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when you describe it that way. Let's transition to the future, Shane. Like mm -hmm. what's, what's the future for you and for your business? Like what is, mm -hmm. what is the, the future? Well, I think, you know, you know, where I am in my life and my career, I would love to, I was in my workshops too. I'm not doing two more but in the workshops. I said, like, I'm just want to hand off what I was given. Like, it's not like I know everything and this is the way to do it. It's more or less showing how to open a door instead of telling them what door to open. So I just want to pass on the knowledge that was given to me because it is such a simple concept, but is so overlooked and missed in today's society. And I think it would just make the world a better place and, and make your business more run better, more satisfying and better clients. But so many signs I see everywhere. It's just so there's such disconnection around there. So I, I want hopefully in some form, I pass that forward, whether it's someone suggested zoom, because it's, it's expensive to come, you know, to get on a flight to pay for the workshop and, and the rest of it. But, Perhaps a book. Uh, someone mentioned, you know, a book with all of the design philosophy, all the processes, all the mm -hmm. pictures deconstructed. So it's just one book you can keep on hand and just kind of re remind yourself how to go about not to get in your head too much. So I mean, perhaps a book for me, but as far as work goes, you know, I'll always be a sign, sign guy. <laughs> I always design signs and consult that way. Uh, but my focus now is to go into hand carving fully because I missed that that part and I never got a chance to fully explore that so and it's the same approach as I did with signs but now I'm can go and create art it's more art than, yeah. than just functional yeah so, and that carving that's been staring at me the whole time we're doing the podcast behind right? me, yeah. behind you is like ah oh, it's amazing man I mean oh, it's just, and to think like when I look at stuff like that I I just, I'm like, I could never do that. But I, I, I'm sure like at one point you were probably feeling the same way there. It's, it's so interesting. You said that, you know, I feel I've learned so much about life through my work and not just through the work, but striving to, as you say, you know, to keep getting better, to I want to do more and better. And with carving was a big one because when I first started carving, I think, I think I know what I'm doing. I get it. So, and it's just this mess. It's like chunks missing and I think I, I can't see anything anymore. And I think it's like life, right? It's like we just kind of, I thought I knew what I was doing. Now I'm just in this mess. So how I started was, I think, okay, I'm going to break it down into small pieces. And I picked my highest and the lowest points of the carving. And now I'm just going to break it down to simple steps. And so by the time you finished, you arrived, but I could never look at that people like i think we well, just carve it it's like no it's a series of processes and steps to get to that point and at the end it just looks complex but it's complex because there's many layers but i can only do one layer at a time so there's a i think a lot of people could carve i think uh, i used to have a little bit of carving classes and i said we all know an apple so we'll carve an apple first and it's amazing um how well people can carve 
and and do this kind of work especially yeah. when you can turn turn your head off always the way right yeah yeah I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this is a like a, a a tougher question. What do you want to be remembered for? Uh, that is a good question. Um, and I had a hard time with that question. I kept, you know, coming up with nothing. But I think because I thought my work was never about me at all, and I'm always uncomfortable when people say you have lots of talent or love, you know, or I'm the master of this. It's like, no, I'm not. I've just found a way to communicate to something bigger than myself. And I, I just learned to facilitate and, and I'm glad it, it's taught me that humility. But I think if anything, if I remembered for anything, I think it would be that I honored the craft. I was steadfast in my honoring of the craft and didn't compromise in any way with that. You know, I love that. Yeah, it, it 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 definitely comes through in your work, hundred percent. So, yeah, thanks, Mike. Are you just? I think I've disturbed Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I see it. He, he's, yeah. like, he's like, it is a little. Like, I don't know anything. I don't know. Shane broke me. <laughs> <laughs> a step one, though, right? Oh, yeah, uh, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't fix anything that's not broken, right? <laughs> No, I, yeah. I, I have, I have his Instagram and stuff open over here on my other screen. So I'm kind of scrolling through it as he's talking and looking at all these signs and stuff. And just, it's been, it's been a little while since I look at some of your work and, and it's just, you know, part of it makes me just want to like throw up my hands and quit, you know, right now, <laughs> screw it. But your, your, your walk through life is really interesting and, and really resonates with me sounds like we've kind of <laughs> had some some similar experiences with with, with hitting that wall and, and, and burnout so i'm just i'm really i apologize i don't mean to be quite so, so quiet i know i'm usually not quite the, the quiet guy on these but i'm just kind of absorbing what he's saying it really a lot of it really hits home and it's, it's very pertinent to you know kind of some of the things that i'm dealing with right now burnout work and and thinking about the future and yeah for that matter what do i want to be remembered for you know, and I don't want to be remembered as being a workaholic. Yeah. I think that's my biggest fear myself. Mm -hmm. um, I, especially to my kids of like, I, I don't want to be remembered as that to my kids. Like, Oh, uh, Hey, like dad was working. I, this big thing happened and dad wasn't here. Mm -hmm. That's so a big, Oh my God, that's huge. And I was lucky enough to work downstairs and my kids would come down and, and for a lot of it, for a lot of years, they want to talk to me. It was down in my shop. So they come down, I'd stop what I was doing and, and give them full attention and, and talk with them. But I didn't go on camping trips. I didn't go hardly anywhere with them because I was working all the time with such great regret. But I have to say, though, for my kids, every time they smell sawdust or the smell of wood, they think of those fond memories. So as hopefully I got quality time in there, but yeah, life's, a, life's tough when you have regret. Regret's a tough one because you can't do anything about that, but you guys are still in a position. I think, it, I think it's just striking balance, just creating, creating balance and understanding why you feel the need to work so hard. And you think of, you know, just this whole conversation, I, you know, Dirk Rampling, his work, are you familiar with Dirk? He's in Australia. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they came, took my workshop. <laughs> and through the workshop, he had the same expression as Mike there. <laughs> Actually, more so, <laughs> his eyes on him. He looked so tired. He's just like, oh, it's like <laughs> exasperated and beleaguered. And it took him, he said, it took him, uh, it went back home and, and it slowly absorbed uh, into him, like processed. And he approached his work entirely different and differently. And it just, his work in a matter of a few months just switched right over completely into a whole other level of design and did it doing his own thing. It didn't look like anyone else's, which was pretty cool. So yeah, it's, it, it is, it's like learning a new golf swing. It's a brute at first, but after a while, it's so, so simple in, in its application. And um, Shane, tell us about the workshops real quick. I know we've, mm-hmm. we've you know, hinted around at them a little bit, but um, just give us the yeah. elevator pitch on those things. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I, I call it, it's, it's just a rethink on design and it's pretty much what we've talked about. And it's just a whole shift. It's a, a full weekend. People have taken it before they, you know, it's a game changer. Dan Swatsky took it and he uses a lot of it in his, his business. It is, uh, it is like a, a light bulb moment for a lot of people and it's changed the way they they do business and, and, and design. Uh, it's three day workshop starts Friday and goes till uh, Sunday afternoon. The f- um, a lot of it's in class de- uh, dissecting or deconstructing design and selling signs and just pretty much everything we've talked about. It's the full package on that. And also at the end of it, they, um, they get a free design consultation on one uh, project for me. Good for a year. The first one is in is this weekend. And the second one is July 14th to 16th. And um, I have, if you know, uh, Roger Cox, he's coming. He had House of Signs. Um, yeah. Gary, Gary Johnson. His signs are unbelievable too. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's another one that's worth looking up if you guys have never seen it. Yeah. And uh, right. Noel Cotton, Cotton. She does sign it signs in Chatham. She's been sign crafted quite a bit. Mm. Yeah, that name sounds familiar. I've heard it. I, yeah, I, sign I, it. Sign it. Yeah. Cotton. Sorry. Sorry, Noel. I forgot your last name. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, we'll we'll try to include all these in the show notes. Yeah, sure. and Gary Johnson of Great American Sign Company. So he's coming, and and a few others have expressed interest. So it's interesting, though. I thought I'd get more, but, you know, it could be Signs of the Times. I mean, I used to do them. I, they were full all the time. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a commitment, not just to come to the workshop, but to wanting to change how you do business and, and a lot of people think I can't just be on me. That it's not not the way at all. I mean, if you saw my work before, it was, it was mediocre at, at best. <laughs> it was, and um, I keep it around. It's just like, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to keep yourself humble. Certainly, uh-huh. uh, it's well, just like you know, it's like playing in the wrong ballpark. <laughs> It's like, I'm all by myself think I'm doing a great job until I go over to the other ones. Oh, this is how you play baseball. That's simple. Go. Well, Shane, I uh, can't thank you enough for coming on, man. This has been such an interesting conversation. Definitely one of my favorite episodes that we've recorded so far. Uh, just we hit on so many different things and it's, 
I'm kind of like Mike in some aspects, but I, I can still move my mouth and words come out. So we're good. We're good there. <laughs> yeah. I, Shane, I, I apologize. In no, I, okay. I feel like I'm going to like, no, like it, it, in like two days, you're going to get an email from me with like 8,000 questions and thoughts and like, as the stuff just like works its way through my brain and all that, you know, hits me all at once. Exactly. I'm like, Oh, I should have asked him this. I should have yeah. asked him this. So I apologize because I'm going to overwhelm you with questions pretty soon. Well, that's right. You know, that's why I used to tell my clients if I saw that same look, I think just go home and let it absorb it and come back. Call me. Let it marinate. You let it marinate. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, I've enjoyed this a lot. I feel like I sit down at a kitchen table with you guys. The only thing missing is a beer at hand. So it's, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's been <laughs> yeah. great. It's great to talk to sign, sign people as well. I don't. Like, we'll have to invite it. Shane to our next happy hour uh, podcast episode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That last one was a little rowdy. Yeah. Since <laughs> yeah. well, you had alcohol to anything, it's all- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm definitely more more verbose when I <laughs> had a bottle of that Costco Chardonnay. There you go. Yeah, that's all it takes to get my Matt or Mike in the flow. I can't even say yeah, his name. Yeah. Now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shane, really, really awesome um, talking to you. I'm actually going to um, look up your design courses here in a minute and uh, maybe see if we can come out there to the July one because oh, be I'd love amazing. to participate in that. Yeah, for sure. I, it, and be... I think that one will be, you know what, I've. it's just going to be such a great exchange of good sign people. You know, Roger and, and Noella and Gary and, and if you guys came, I think it would be a really uh, memorable uh, event. You know, a small yeah group. i i'd love to I, i'd love to I, i've been wanting to get out to you know oh, i did i did jay cook's sign school years ago like yeah. 25 years ago or something like that and that was the last one i did and um you know i thought about doing dan's up in up, up there in canada too but i don't really i don't make signs anymore so i don't mm-hmm. know how much i would i would get from his but i i this this definitely appeals to me a lot so um, I'm hoping I, I get be, to meet you in person here in the next couple months. It'd be great to see you. And uh, Collingwood's a beautiful area. It's stunning. Truly, we have the Niagara Escarpment and Georgian Bay. It's yeah, it's a pretty area. I've been up in that area before. It, it is mm. it is lovely, especially in July and not in the middle of winter. Yeah, that's such a nice. You have skis strapped to your feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beautiful. All right. Shane, thanks again. Yeah. Pleasure, man. Yeah. Awesome, let's, Shane. Uh, let's. Keep in touch too. I'd like that. But hopefully you'll see uh, both of you or one of you at the uh, workshop in July. It would be amazing. Yeah. I'm going to try to come. I'd love to be there. Super. So. All right. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. It was a great, great lesson to you. All right. Thanks. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit subscribe to get all the latest episodes and check out our website, bettersignshop.com. Get free resources and helpful tools on growing your shop. Thanks for listening.